even as I'm sitting here with you, like, so I just asked myself that question, can I sit here with 10% less effort? And I just noticed like around my belly button just relaxed. I just noticed around my sit bones just relaxed. My shoulders are relaxing. My neck is relaxing. I'm holding a lot of tension that I don't need to hold in order to hold my body up and do the things I want to do. And in the course of a day or a week or a lifetime, that's a lot of energy we are expending on yes. on creating tension that we don't yes. need. Yeah, that we don't need. This is the Accidental Muralist Podcast. I am Pam Concier with All Hands Art. And today I am with my friend, Michelle Wren. You have a cool last name. I don't know if I've ever told you that. The the bird, I like the that. The bird, I mm-hmm. love having a bird name. Yeah, very cool. Other people that have bird names, I always feel immediately connected with them. Yes. Um, we are friends from flamenco class here in Portland. And Oh, and speaking of Portland, before we go any further, I am trying to practice land acknowledgement. So I want to recognize in Northeast Portland, this is the Chinook-speaking region of the... Clackamas, I think they're part of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde and the Cowlitz, which I think are separate. And I'm realizing the more I try to figure this out, it's complicated because, of course, there was movement and it depends on what snapshot of history. And Michelle, you're in a little different part of town. Yes. Some of the same tribes. So my part of town, which is in Southwest, has the Kalapuya tribe, the confederated tribes of the Grand Ronde, the Cowlitz, and the uh, Atfalati. I apologize for probably pronouncing them incorrectly, but I think it's great to recognize the land and the peoples of the land. And the people who have stewarded the land for eons and continue to be here. I I read recently that Portland, the city of Portland has the ninth largest urban indigenous population in the country. So for being a small city, there's a big Native American presence here. So Michelle, by profession, is a massage, I I almost said massage artist, which is actually true. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, you are a massage artist. And we are both sort of body geeks. Full disclosure, we did a recording on Monday, but we got so deep into the weeds of like functions of the body and all the anatomy that we decided stop let's reset we got a little too mental we did and really it's like how can we connect with our bodies and we were doing the opposite right we were getting all academic and so which can be delightful yeah it was a great lesson in anatomy for me and and so if we refer back to like the other day you told me about something that's what we're referring to but first welcome and uh, why don't you start by telling us about how you got into massage well, it's a long and winding story. Um, well, the good but, ones are. But when I was young, I was quite interested in like how things work, the structure of things, um, what's going on underneath the surface of things. Um, with my dad, I like love to build things, repair things. If the stairs needed fixing, like that's where I wanted to be. It's like, what's underneath the stair treads? You know, how do you, how can you fix it? You know, what can you do with your hands? I love working with my hands. Uh, but there were no women construction people in the seventies. <laughs> there probably were, but I didn't know of any. Until you came along. <laughs> 
true. But that was uh, that was almost accidental um, because um, that wasn't really in my mindset. My mom was a nurse. And I got to see when I was about in fifth grade, I got to see this really interesting new procedure that they were doing, like the big microscopes to do microsurgery, where you could like repair tiny nerves and like, you know, people who had maybe lost a part of their body, it could be reattached. And that was just amazing. And I decided right then and there that I wanted to be a surgeon. <laughs> so you got to go into the hospital and like, in yes, the, in the theater of operation or something, watch this stuff. Or? They did not actually allow me to see any human um, parts uh, through the microscope, but um, I did get to see um, on a, a live mouse where they were doing some practice on reconnecting things. So you see this operation and you actually get to see with your eyes what is underneath the fur of the mouse and what's going on inside. Yes, and yeah, like what a live body looks like underneath the skin is beautiful. It's amazing, it's complicated, it's fascinating. And uh, you know, the idea that things can be like healed and melded back together after an accident also is very appealing to me. That is amazing. But, uh, but I realized a few years later, after setting myself onto a pre-med track at the age of fifth grade, <laughs> um, that uh, I really, the sight of blood is not my friend. Um, I, you know, I, I really don't have the temperament to be able to like cut into a human being, even in order to fix them. That's not what I can do. So yeah, I'm um, so that. that went out the window. <laughs> And, um, but I, I studied biology in college and I, I decided that I, knowing that I didn't want to be a surgeon anymore, not really sure if I wanted to be a doctor anymore, not really sure what I wanted to do yet. I didn't just want to jump into more school. I wanted to live a little bit of life and then go into more school when I was really ready to do something with it. So anyway, probably a few more years passed after I had, you know, done some temporary work doing this and that and working in offices. And I decided to take a job with a friend of mine in a construction company for the summer. Um, I was nervous about it. I thought, here I am, I'm working at this office job and I'm so tired at the end of the day. And I'm really worried about if I'm doing construction and like actually doing work with my body that I will like, it's going to be hard. That was going to be really hard. But what happened is I got out there in the sun and in the breeze and learning new things and lifting things up and putting and working in a team that I was much more energized in my work and what I was doing. And it was awesome. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting what different activities in a sort of non-logic way can make you tired or not tired. I definitely had days where like my body was physically tired mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, but it was different. And that was a big surprise for me with yeah. that. And I actually ended up staying um, working in construction for about nine years. It started um, as a summer job, right? Oh, just It was a summer years, job, yeah. yep, which I, you know, I thought, oh, I was college educated. I would learn everything I needed to know in the summer because I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> 
nine years later, I'm like, okay, I'm, I know enough to get myself into trouble. You, you know? the surface. <laughs> yeah. And all the trades people listening who are some of my good friends and people I very much respect and admire are like, yeah, I told you, you know, you're academic <laughs> right. people. Yeah. yeah. That was also one of my learning experiences of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you haven't linked gun yet to massage, but you've got the body, how the body works and then construction being satisfying because of seeing how the inside of a house is constructed, like inside yes. the walls and what yes. yeah. the process and how mm-hmm. it works and what's on the inside and the, the type of body work that I now have gone to is a, is a structural kind of body work where you're looking at how is the body being supported. And so I did learn a lot about that. You know, if you, if you're looking at a a door that's not closing, right, you know, maybe it's not the door, maybe it's something that's underneath the, you know, the floor that's making things shift. So there's a lot, there's a lot to know and a lot of similarities. Um, so construction, um, I, I knew that that was not where I wanted to be in the long term. Like I knew I was, I was doing this when I was in my twenties and I knew that when, by the time I was 50, that I really wasn't going to want to be like lifting up 30 sheets of plywood onto a roof and doing the, just the physical things. I'm not a really huge person. And so I just knew that that wasn't, it wasn't my forever, mm-hmm. my forever job. My life was at a transition point. I was I was getting a divorce. I knew that I needed some other type of job. I didn't know what it was. And the universe kind of like stepped in and brought me, brought me back to where I ended up so far. (laughs) Yeah. You have a great story that you're about to tell about how you got into massage specifically, but I just wanted to point out for any listener, especially young people or older, like, there's so much value in doing a job that's not going to be your forever job. Like it doesn't matter. I think, Mm -hmm. I know I was very, I've always been trying to find my purpose in life. Like, what is it as though it were one thing. Mm -hmm. And now at this point being 55, looking back, like all of them were my purpose at that time. And they all built on other things. So for anybody out there who's like doing something that is not your forever job, that's okay. You might find out later what exact skills you need from this job to take you into the next thing. Into the next thing, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're doing construction work, then lead us into how you transitioned into massage. How I transitioned, yeah. I was working as a carpenter and I was also doing martial arts and working very hard with my body. And I also had back issues from childhood. My spine isn't quite straight. It's got some scoliosis in it, which is like a little Mm. side bending. Uh, So I had some uh, back pain and I was seeing a massage therapist who I really loved. And she just, during one massage session, she just sort of stopped what she was doing. And she said, you know, Michelle, you would be a great massage therapist. And we would hire you in our clinic if you were one. (laughs) And I said, really? (laughs) She said, yes. And I said, okay. (laughs) It was the right, it was just at the right time. It was the right message at the right time. And I was ready to make a change. And I thought, you know, no matter what happens, going to massage school will be fun. You get a massage every single week, you know, you get to learn about the body and it was great. It was fun. 
this yes. year I've been writing a lot and thinking a lot and experiencing a lot actually about the body. Well, I've always been kind of a body nerd and as a gymnast, I started doing gymnastics when I was like six mm -hmm. through high school, which I'm so thankful for because gymnastics is one of those things where you really are testing a thousand things that the body can do. Mm -hmm. as opposed to like archery where you know you hold this arm mm -hmm. this way and this I don't know anything about archery I just that came to mind but gymnastics is so whole body coordinated and you're upside down and then you're using equipment and you're swinging and you're you mm -hmm. know so I feel really thankful for that because it made other types of physical activity more accessible well I've always been body focused but then there's also a part of me that had for many decades felt like I was sort of in a war with my body probably starting around adolescence when mm -hmm. puberty is going on and your body starts to feel out of your control because things are growing in places and they weren't there before and now you know and things are changing right. and you might be getting I know that I got a lot of attention that I wasn't expecting and then I didn't really want yeah. um, that age also. And so that yeah. was a way that I wanted to shut things down. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember physically, I can almost still feel this mental state in like middle school wanting to shrink. And I wanted to hide all the things that were happening. And I feel like it probably affected my posture. That's another thing I was thinking about this week, gymnastics was the one place where I could feel and be very expansive and just mm -hmm. like you had to stretch because in social mm -hmm. situations, I wanted to be as small and invisible as mm -hmm. I could be. Mm -hmm. So I think from that point, a lot of people maybe don't really get over the fear of what the body's gonna do because maybe you get sick sometimes and there's disease sometimes. And, and then we live in a culture where we are fed this one way to be and for women we know it's you know white and skinny and blonde and we know what it looks like men have their versions that they know they're supposed mm -hmm. to look like and we're we live in a capitalist system so we're fed those messages in hopes that we'll buy all these products to remediate our wrongness <laughs> and the ways and maybe we even we even like try to shape our bodies to mm -hmm. that you know like you gotta like tuck your tail and just all the all the messages so many messages that we get that our bodies you know ought to be a certain way from the outside like we yeah. we're not trained to feel from the inside but it's all like from the outside yeah and so there's fear and there's shame and there's you know all these negative things that we associate yeah. with the body and for me growing up as a gymnast in the 70s i wanted to look like nadia komenichi or olga corbett uh -huh. they were both like little pixies they had zero body fat they were tiny and boyish but strong very strong yeah mm -hmm. just all muscle I totally wanted to look like Nadia Kunich as you well. You did too? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think either of us really made it, but you know, I'm okay with that now. <laughs> yeah. And for a lot of other people, they may have had different, you know, models they were going for that had a little more shape. But I think most people probably have this ideal that they're working for. And so we set up this relationship with our own bodies where they just end up being wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. 
And what I think part of your work is, is helping people appreciate and connect with their own body and find joy in that. So I'm, I may yeah. have jumped, you know, several hurdles right here to get us to this place, but, but we can, we can step back into any, any, those are the things that we really wanted to talk about was like, how do we, um, come into relationship with our body that is healthy, realistic, and just fun. I just spend time on a mat every morning now, just playing. And I do little yoga sequences, and then I just spend time feeling like a kid again, which is how I feel when I'm upside down or stretching in certain ways because I did so much of that in my childhood. And because kids move out always, and, and as adults we spend much more time yes very stationary. Yeah. So, yeah. so what we yeah. wanted to, to address in this time together was like restoring the, the fun and the delight and the connectedness to our bodies. And that is part of your goal when you work with clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm like, which way, which way should I, know, I go? I know. I know. I just gave you a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to just back up just a tiny bit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, after I became a massage therapist, I did that for quite a while. And then at some point decided that, um, I wanted to go deeper in to learning about fascia and fascia is something that you might hear about a lot. It's like what's around everything in your body. The type of work that I do is called structural integration, and it looks at the body as a whole instead of as parts. So I liked the distinction you made when we were talking the other day that, that mm -hmm. we grow from a seed. We are not like a mechanical machine made of disconnected parts that are assembled together. Correct, yes. Yeah. Like, you know, when you when we think about kinesiology you know sometimes we like the way we draw it is like joints are like hinges and we think of it a lot as like a machine but we're not just parts being put together we're very unified whole interconnected complex uh system and your analogy of like the orange uh-huh the, the orange segment like if you think of like all you know if you take the peel off the orange that peel can be thought of as a part of the fascia but then once you get inside so it's many layers of fascia and that fascia surrounds every part so each of the little um, orange slices you know has a has a layer there's a, there's that more spongy layer that's outside of that that's another layer and then inside of that you know you have um, the little tiny little pieces of orange that the you can pulp. So surrounding each yeah. little piece of that pulp, that's another layer of fascia. That's another layer of fascia. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as that orange grew from a seed also, you know, all that fascia is, it's, it's unitary. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So then apply that you've, we've got this picture now of the fascia that connects everything. Yes. And how does that help us? Um, well, we're thinking not just of a part. So, um, one of the great things about my, my job is that I get to be with people in this really special way where I get to be introduced to a person and I get to say, Hi, my name's Michelle. How can I help you and tell me about your pain? <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing 
to get to, you know, just like connect with people. And then I get to, then I get to touch them. Um, and it's very, it's very special. Um, and I get to like help maybe change their, their mind about their body. I have often cried when I'm getting a massage. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you see that a lot. And I, I probably had close to 10 in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've probably cried at more than half of them, if not all of them. And I, I think about that afterwards. And I think partly it's because like you pointing out how special that relationship is. I think for me to have that level of attention and care yes. focused on you for an hour, to me, that just kind of makes me lose it. Like yeah, I, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it feels overwhelming and not, and when I cry, you know, it's not, I'm not sobbing. It's similar to the crying in yoga that I talked about last month where there's, I think part of it is it's almost maybe like my body saying, thank you finally for just like paying attention to me and treating me like I am valuable. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. It can be such an emotional experience. And I feel like the, you know, the focused attention of, of like another person's attention, but then your own attention onto your own body in places where you didn't realize that mm -hmm. there was not movement. And, and then like when you get that movement back also, it's like such a, such a gift to receive as well. You know, this part of you that you didn't even realize was, was not talking to the other parts, you know, to have that you feel connected again. So any of those things can be very profound. And just touch, you know, we live in a society where, you know, touch is touchy. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's controversial and you have to have a certain level of trust and, you know, like we don't touch people casually or, or if we do, that is often becomes problematic and comes back, you know, it's, Yes. Yeah. Especially if you've done work with survivors or, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Touch can be triggering and giving people their space. And, you know, there's there's a lot of issues around that for sure. Yeah. I feel like I have done a lot of repair work with my body this year. And I don't mean that I was injured. I just mm -hmm. mean like repairing the relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been such a monumental year for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sometimes, you know, it takes some incident and then you feel the pain, you feel the discomfort, and then you look back and there's, you realize that there's a history um, behind it and it can lead you to do some healing work, you know, for not just what, what started it, or, mm -hmm. you know, and the moment that, that caused you to be like, okay, we need to fix this. <laughs> Um, and then you realize it has a longer story than you right. thought. Right, not just addressing the symptoms like Western medicine is sort of known for. Yeah. Clarissa Pinkola Estes is someone I've mentioned in podcasts and blog posts. She's a storyteller and a psychotherapist and many other things, but she was talking about healing once. She's a healer in her own traditions, and she said a lot of people will say, you know, oh, you're you twisted your ankle here, let me, you know, put a brace on it. That would be the Western variety. And she said, if you came to like a traditional healer, they might say, oh, you sprained your ankle. What were you doing? 
oh, you tripped and fell. Why did you trip? You know, and they're they're like tracing it. Oh, why? You know, you were distracted. Why were you distracted? And they're they're gonna trace it all the way back to, like, oh, I've been really you know distressed by this other thing that happened in my life. Right. And that's where it needs to be addressed. And it it resulted in a sprained ankle, but it has very little to do with the ankle. Right. It's like, what's the, what's the symptom and what's the cause? Mm -hmm. Well, there's so much here still. And it's so (laughs) juicy for me that we still are in danger of like having 18 things pile up that we will want to get to, but and we want to get to some things that people can use. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So how would you define, listen to your body? That's something that people say a lot. I say it a lot. I'm trying to do it myself. What does that mean for you? Because that's part of what you try to do in your job is like to work together with your clients so that you're not telling them, oh, you know, I'm the expert on you and here's why. Uh, Yes, I never, I almost never want to tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Although people want me to tell them a lot. (laughs) Right. Or what's wrong. I'll tell them what I feel. But so there's, I mean, there's different ways to think about this too. I would say that most of the time people make an appointment with a massage therapist who does the kind of structural work that I do because something is bothering them and they want it to change. And usually that's pain. And um, I know that for me in the past, there was a time when I was working with my body really hard and I was being a, a martial artist. And, you know, when you're in the middle of a fight and somebody is coming at you with a punch, you can't be like, oh, I shouldn't move that way. That way kind of hurts a little bit. <laughs> you know, like you have yeah. to move. <laughs> and same thing if you're in a sport, maybe you're a, a tennis player, like, and that ball is like, just like, it's just a little bit out of where would be comfortable for you to reach it. But you know, your body can do it because you know your body very well, but your body is saying, oh, like you don't listen to that. Um, Maybe you're a carpenter and you're, you know, you've got two people up there and you're lifting this thing and they're waiting for you and the job's got to get going and you can't quite reach, but you make yourself reach um, anyway, because that's just what needs to happen in the moment. Mm -hmm. And, And we all have things, you know, that are like that and reasons why we sometimes can't stop to listen. Um, to what our body's saying, but coming back to me, so have you heard of the pain scale, you know, where you say rate your pain between a one and Mm -hmm. a 10, one is the least amount, 10 is like the most excruciating thing that you can imagine. Mm -hmm. I would go from a two, like I barely feel it. And then my next would be about a seven, you know, where it's really getting in my way. I can't stop thinking about it. It's almost debilitating. And you're Um, talking about a specific, um, like, let's say your knee is bothering you or your back. You said you have back pain. Yes. Where your back is like, you don't even notice it. And then suddenly your back is like, ah, this is... Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't sleep at night and you can hardly walk. And Mm -hmm. if you lift up, you know, something, you're you're feeling it. And I didn't have anything in between those two ranges. And so I had to learn to become more sensitive. Like, okay, is there, is there a sign maybe that I hadn't been paying attention to where my body was trying to tell me something, but I wasn't listening to it. And I realized, oh, if you're, if you're waking up at night, because you have to, you know, shift around because your back just isn't, that's actually could be pain. Mm-hmm. There's a sign. <laughs> that might be something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we can, you, we can sort of walk that back to where 
we can listen when our body is whispering to us more and we can respond in a way that can support it without getting all the way to, and now I can't function because I can't walk. <laughs> yeah, and the whisper, when you said whisper, hearing a whisper necessitates quiet. And I think for a lot of people, they stay so busy all the time that when are you gonna have that chance? You know, so first order of business, allow a little bit of space to like meditate or something. Yes, meditation is really an excellent way to help your mind and your body come into synchronization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Especially if you're being aware of your breathing, like you are breathing and you're being aware of your breathing and even just that in itself does good things to help your mind come back to your body. And a lot of guided meditations I've heard start with sort of a body scan, mm -hmm. you know, starting at your head or going down and just sort of checking and without judgment, tuning into what you are feeling, which yeah. a lot of people, you know, in our fast paced society, we don't always do. Yeah, in, yeah. in the type of body work that <laughs> I do, the structural integration, it's done partially clothed, so there's work on the table and off the table as well. And a lot of times you do some, like you do some work and then you actually stand up and you feel it because our brains are really cued into something that's changed or something that's new. And so it's a great tool for, uh, for body awareness. You know, you free the fascia around the front of the leg and the foot and then you stand up and you're like, wow, I really feel like I'm back on my heels. I feel that settling, you know, in where like my weight is just being supported by the ground. And it's, it's, it's so fun to bring people through a process like that, where you actually feel something that feels new to mm -hmm. your, to your brain and gives you a, a different idea about what is possible. What is possible? That's another theme of the year. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us more about the feeling you listen through your fingers. I do. Of... It's like a conversation that I have with someone's body that can be different than what, what we're actually saying with our words. I would say that when I first put my hands on someone, I'm not having an intention of doing something to them. I first just want to feel, I, and, and it's really important to have the person that I'm working with feels safe about that. Um, I mean, they've already, they've already asked me to work on them if they're on my table, <laughs> but, but our bodies have a knowledge that they're holding like a history. And my, so my first communication is just like, I'm here with you. I'm listening and I'm curious as to what's happening. And, you know, I, and I just like start to move the tissue a little bit and see where are things able to move and where are they like stuck where they're not moving? Do you say that out loud? Um, sometimes I say it out loud. I'm just curious, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it helps people to hear what my process is, you know, and I still will, I will always will ask people about what they're experiencing because I can feel the textures in the tissue, but I can't feel their, what they're feeling in their mm -hmm. body. And that helps me to know. I don't believe in no pain, no gain. It's not necessarily the most efficient or effective. That's what I tell people. It's not because a lot of people come in and they're like, they want me to get to it. 
And it's interesting because the bigger people's pain feels to them, the more that they want a bigger tool to handle it. Can you just take a chainsaw and cut my arm off? Can you just take an ice pick and put it into there? (laughs) And so I acknowledge that for people. Um, But I also let them know that it shouldn't be painful. Like if they're tensing something else up in order to be present with me, that's not the most efficient. Yeah, that makes me think of fear again, that tensing up. And I've had some hip pain and when it comes, it's very sharp. Usually I can just kind of stretch it and breathe a minute and keep going. There was a time maybe a year ago where it lasted for three or four or five days. That had never happened before. And I was hobbling Mm -hmm. around like an old lady. And what I noticed was that there was the pain, but then wrapped around the pain, there was fear because my brain was adding a whole bunch of stuff to the mm-hmm. situation. All these thoughts of like, oh my God, what if I'm like this forever? What if I can't do this? What if I can't? And so I did some releasing techniques. Anyway, that's a different thing. But because once there's a thing, we want to protect that thing and it, it adds its whole other thing and you might yeah. you can probably physically see that and feel it on the massage table when somebody is protecting their pain by tensing up in other places that's part of listening to your body right that's a, that's definitely a part of listening to your body and that's and as i'm working on people that's a part of the way that i listen to people as well because i can definitely tell if in the local area they're contracting and if they are I do not push I do not force it I do not push through it um I just I see like okay it doesn't want to go that direction but maybe it'll go the other direction maybe if I bring support from this part of the body then maybe it will be able to do that or maybe I'll back up and talk to the person and you know see if maybe I haven't gotten enough permission yet you know if they're resistant yeah if they if Yeah. And I also believe that we have a lot of reflexes in our body that protect us. You know, like there might be a reason that that shoulder just like really loves hanging out closer to the ear than we would like it. (laughs) There might be something in in that local area that's being stretched a little bit too much, just even, you know, in our, you know, posture that we would see as more ideal. And so a lot of times, you know, I'll bring slack from different areas to help those reflexes kind of reset hmm. bring slack from different areas I'm trying to picture how you would do that so one of the things about working with fascia is that you use the the skin to access deeper layers like if I traction the skin down you know like everything is moving except for the thing that's a little bit too tight to move and that's the thing that gets pulled on <laughs> So by not using oil in my massage, I can get a much more three-dimensional idea of what's happening in the body, and I can reach things that are deeper than what I'm actually touching. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. That's interesting that you don't use oil. I was curious about that. And um, when I had that shoulder thing at the beginning of this pandemic, you were trying virtually through Zoom to... To direct me to self-massage, a thing that you could neither see nor feel, but it was helpful. So if you have clients, and I'm guessing that you do, who are like driven to be in super great shape and look good and be quote unquote healthy, but aren't 
tuned in in a way that you can see? Like how, how do you open up that conversation or try to reach people who are on the head level of sculpting their body or like uh -huh. making their body perform for them uh -huh. as a tool, but, but also in another way being kind of disconnected to their body? Well, for one thing, I totally agree with you that we often look at our bodies as if they're like a tool for us to get somewhere and use and do something. And we just want to like extract all of the work from them so that we can arrive somewhere different. And we don't really have a healthy relationship uh, with ourselves that way. We often, you know, it's the same thing that we do to the earth where we're like taking the oil out of the earth and having an extractive process that doesn't allow for the regeneration that we need. Right. Totally. Like the brain is the boss, the body is the right. servant. And yes. we go through life just demanding things from our body and yeah. Yes. Yes. Top and down, literally. Yes. And let's, we're going to be productive and we're going to work and we're going to kind of stay in the get things done mode and we're not going to stop to allow our bodies to digest food or become regenerated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't really like to tell people what to do. <laughs> it's probably good. Probably because yeah. I've been told too much what to do. Well, nobody likes to be told what to do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and maybe I don't think it works very well, but I will invite people to be curious about their bodies. And I will invite people to like, as I'm working on something, I'll ask them, this feels a little bit tighter. What do you feel? And then if I can get something to change, if I can, you know, provide the, because I don't really think that I get things to change, but I provide the container or the, you know, some input that allows the body to do what it wants to do. I think the body always wants to return to home and to good relationship. Um, and I'm not saying that, that an injury is a bad relationship, but it's just maybe things aren't communicating as well as they could. Yeah. I've mentioned a few times recently about Ayurveda, which is something that I started reading about this summer. I'd heard of it before, but I did more of a deep dive. And that's one of the basic tenets. Like our body is designed for health. And it mm -hmm. knows how to heal itself. And a lot of times our job is to get out of the way and just mm -hmm. be patient and let it heal itself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're trying to force that healing faster, faster, and, you know, apply all these things that really our body just wants to do what it's made to do. And that's, yeah. a, that's a different, that's also kind of an anti-capitalism <laughs> framework because, <laughs> you know, capitalism wants to sell us stuff to fix it. And our right. body already knows how to fix itself. Yes, so nobody can exactly. make money on that. Exactly. And uh, another thing that I, that I do a lot is help people to be patient with the process and mm -hmm. to help people to realize that they're making progress from, let's say that we are dealing with an injury and then, so there's like the injury state and then there's the healthy state and it's not a straight line to get from one to the other. Usually there's some improvement and then it seems like you're walking backwards and then it improves and, you know, hopefully that it keeps on going in an upward spiral to, you know, get to that state that we all want so badly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The discouragement that we often feel when we have what we think of as setbacks are part of the process. 
Yeah, and speaking of setbacks, one thing that I have relearned this year for myself is that I'm 55, but my body can still learn things all the time. Yes. We, we dance, we are mm-hmm. always learning steps, and you know, it can be frustrating because yes. it might take us longer than a 22-year-old, but that time I spend in the morning on my mat, I'll try, sometimes I'm trying things that I used to be able to do, and then I'm, I'm good at being patient with myself now because I'll see like, okay, I can't do the split right now, but I know that if I keep stretching that way in a week or two or a month, I will be able to if I keep at it. And mm-hmm. I want I want our listeners to just be so thrilled and curious about all the things that this incredible body can do. And if you're middle-aged, you can learn and do so many things. Yes. And I, this mentality, it's just around us that like, oh, yeah. you're old, you're over the hill. Still teach your body how to move in new ways because this miraculous soul case that we live in is just incredible with the range of things. That's another thing that I love having gone from gymnastics to different kinds of dance to martial arts, now to flamenco and then other sports and stuff in between. I just am always amazed like, wow, look at this other thing this body can do. You know, the footwork patterns, like who would who imagine that? Who said... And then in martial arts, there's things like, who thought of that? Like, it's incredible, the range of it's things. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And so if you're, if you, listener, are frustrated with not being able to do the things you could do in your 20s, I urge you and want to inspire you to just do little experiments or do little silly balance things or try learning how to juggle or just do some little body thing. and with patience and practice over a couple of weeks or a month and just see what you can do because it's amazing. It's incredible. Yes, it's, yeah, it's very amazing. And I like what you said about how quick we are to jump to the idea, you know, that we're now over the hill, <laughs> like that there's some moment. And then after that moment, it's like this decline All that you downhill. can't stop. Yeah. Yeah. That's just not true. And um, one of the concepts that I love to think about is that our bones actually are, are springy. They're not like a chicken bone that's been cooked and is splintery and dry and hard and breakable, oh, but they're yeah. alive and they have flexibility to them. And just like as you're walking and imagining your bones having flexibility to them like that changes how I walk that is yeah I just love that in your yoga practice in the morning that you do unstructured movement um, because I think that that's so fun it is totally fun and it's it's sort of the blessing of this one of the blessings of this pandemic because I used to do yoga at a gym you know in a class and I loved that and I miss that community and the teachers I'm so thankful for all the you know things they taught me because now I have enough to, that I can do things on my own. But I would not feel comfortable with other people around mm-hmm. just trying mm-hmm. all these silly moves. And I love doing it in the privacy of my, I'm usually mm-hmm. out in the studio, mm-hmm. just messing around mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, lo I love to turn on some music and just experiment with different movements. You know, maybe I'm playing with the shoulder, like, and just like feeling it move and feeling how I want to move it. And like, what happens to my neck when I'm doing that? And just have like some real exploration because also moving feels really good. It feels so good. Our bodies are designed to move and we're, many of us, very sedentary. And I like what you said you you said the word curiosity or be curious mm -hmm. um, as a way that you work with clients and i i've kind of come to believe that curiosity is the secret sauce of life in general i think it's the mm -hmm. key to art mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. it's the key to relationships yeah it's really the answer to everything <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it's the answer to being afraid <laughs> yes it's because... like it's the opposite of fear yeah, or it's like it's like um, the antidote. It, it eases our yeah, the antidote. I like mm -hmm. that the antidote to fear. So curiosity to the body, yeah. I just like to see like what can it do, or like you were saying a minute ago, like if I move my shoulders this way, what does my neck want to do? And I think one awesome thing about dance, well, most sports or any activity has this, but you experience how everything is connected as opposed to mm -hmm. isolating movement I don't know if that makes sense but I don't know well definitely the more connection the the more parts of the body that are connected the more full our movement is um, that is going to help us with with everything and I remember you saying the other day one thing that anyone can do to kind of improve their improve their physical health let's just say is to use more of the body for more activities like when you're reaching for something up high make that a full body experience can you give better examples than what I yeah yeah so um one good example is let, let's say you're sitting on a chair like we're doing right now in front of our cameras <laughs> <laughs> looking at each other which is awesome mm -hmm. um you know as kids like we get into school you know we have all these we're moving you know like we're moving all all kinds of ways like children do and like we should always keep doing but um and then we get put into these chairs and we have to keep our bodies still and then only our heads move you know we're looking down our teacher calls our name we look up our body stays exactly in the position that it was and only our heads move and that's a really different kind of movement pattern than even if you were um you know uh sitting in your chair and you put your head down like your whole spine all the way down to your sacrum should move with that and when you look up your whole back arches just a little bit like that movement should be with the whole entire spine and we have like um stopped that not because we really meant to but because we're you know sitting in in chairs like we are and so then we have disconnected our heads from our bodies and we've um, and we're sitting in our chair and we like reach for the, the thing and our legs are not involved with that. And, you know, even our, you know, maybe um, our shoulders are barely involved with that. You know, we're not being supported by our torso. We're not being supported by the ground. And, um, and that uh, is something that um, it would be much better if when you reach for your coffee cup, that's, you know, over to your right, if you push in with your right foot to the ground, even when you're sitting, you push into the ground as you're reaching for that 
um, coffee cup, then that that activates your whole chain of um, of of movement. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Yeah, and what when you were talking about sitting on chairs, which is what we do, I was just getting this image. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Kenya many years ago, and I know in a lot of parts of the world, um, when cooking around a fire, women—it's usually the women—will squat, and and squatting mm-hmm. is like I squat all the time. But I know that a lot of people have trouble with that because their knees are not very flexible mm-hmm. or their joints. But and did you learn that while you were there? Um, maybe maybe I've become maybe I've come to see it as more of a natural thing. I was not cooking on a fire. I had a little uh-huh. stove on a counter. Um, but when but I am a good squatter, partly because mm-hmm. of yoga, and I'm just kind of flexible. Mm-hmm. But I so I spend you know I can go up and down but for people just mentality wise like what we were saying before just to be aware like people elderly people around the world are squatting mm-hmm. regularly and yes. getting up from squats and squatting and, yes. and and that's just something they will do 50 times a day because mm-hmm. they're sitting on a mat on the ground to eat and then they're getting up and they're sit, you know squatting to cook mm-hmm. and then they're getting up and mm-hmm. they're and so part of it is a mentality of, you know, if you if you think like, oh, I'm 60 and so I guess I can't sit on the floor anymore or whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, we don't mm-hmm. see it in our culture as much. We don't see 60 mm-hmm. year old people sitting on the floor, but. And we all, don't, and we don't, yeah. We don't. We actually took half of our furniture out of our living room. We have a whole half of our living room that just is. Um, a rug. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So that we, because we were like, okay, we want to, we want to continue to be able to use the, the floor and the ground. Yeah, actually, so one of my, one of my first uh, yoga teachers, um, I remember him saying once that he, he started wanting to do yoga. He was like, less than thirty. I think he was in his late twenties, because he. He wanted, when he was a grandfather, to be able to play on the floor with his grandchildren because he remembered that his grandparents, or maybe his parents, I can't remember, Mm -hmm. had lost that ability to, that movement, mobility Mm -hmm. to get Mm -hmm. down on the floor and play Mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. So there's another incentive. (laughs) Yes. And there's, there's actually a lot of people that work in the, like, movement kind of, like movement fitness kind of things like there's there's things that you can do to help you to regain that that flexibility you know like ways to you know start to get that back if that's something that you don't feel like you can do um just right now yeah Yeah. there's ways to work on that yeah well as we wrap up i know we've gone in a lot of directions and we i hope that we've touched on things that are important to you. I know we left some of them unsaid, which might mean you'll just have to come back sometime. <laughs> That'd be great. And, um, can, I, can I just say yes, a please. couple more things? Please, please. Like, I would love to um, also give people the knowledge that we can do a lot with our breath. Mm. Um, and that's something that even if you can't squat on the floor, you can breathe. Yeah, say more about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, 
it's not not only our lungs move when we breathe also our rib cage moves and also like even as our rib cage comes up um it helps to elongate our spines like so that that breathing is really like a whole body movement experience and um we always have the choice of how you know like even even when we can do almost nothing else <laughs> like we can breathe and we can decide mm-hmm. how we can breathe and we can take a you know a breath that sort of comes into the back of our body or we can take a breath that's more energizing like right at the top of our lungs um and um just to i love as a meditation to um i have this little this little toy that you guys can't see <laughs> when you're in radio land um but it's like a little sphere that expands into a bigger sphere. And um oh maybe you can I'm yeah you can maybe take a picture of it. Um and I love to as I'm breathing imagine my whole body moving and even like in a place of my body that maybe is feeling like it can't move as much to see if I can imagine the breath coming into that part of the body and imagine um you know movement and blood flow and expansion and contraction and kind of the way that um we are like uh made of of water and that that water has flow to it and um i think that's a wonderful way to start to um to listen to your body and um even without and, and then just one one more thing um uh even without movement like our bodies have you know we have eyes and we have ears and we have taste buds and we have noses and um and uh you know to to live like to just take a moment and appreciate like the beauty of a tree trunk or the smell of your mint tea that you have or the taste of like some pineapple or just like there's all of these these like body things that you can do to be more grounded and and um even like it that's a great thing to do if you're feeling out of your body too or like you want to come into your body is just to say what are five things that i can see what are four things that i can hear right now what's one thing that i can smell and just to like to um come back to your senses yeah to literally. come back to your senses mm-hmm. yeah 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 and that also that requires noticing that you're out of your senses you know that you're not paying attention uh-huh. and then taking a minute to stop and kind of and we can always come back more mm-hmm. more to that mm-hmm. yeah is that what you mean by coming back home or you use that phrase i'm actually that's a little bit more of the structural integration like the position of things like when we do a a stroke on the physical body with the structural integration and then you stand up and you feel like oh I really feel centered and grounded. I can feel my weight in my feet. I feel like I can just 
stand up without any effort. I feel like my breath, you know, mm-hmm. is just like it's so easy <clears throat> now. Like something has changed and like I feel this harmony in my body now in this way that a way of being that feels good because it just feels like yes, you know, like I remember being able to stand up and I don't know when that it happened that I feel crunched over, but you know, I I feel that again and I can breathe. And that's a just a, such a delicious feeling. That's what I experience every morning. And I'm trying to also really appreciate that. I have not had a life riddled with injuries, but when you do, it really sucks. And so I am trying when I'm feeling good, mm-hmm. which is most days, to really just notice and appreciate that. <laughs> yes, I love that. You know, I think that's just key. It's so easy to think about what we may have lost instead of thinking about where we are you know like you can think of something that's you know quote unquote superficial like how many wrinkles that I might have in my face now mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would hate to like lose 10 years of being like oh I really don't like the way I look and it's the same with our with everything yeah it's okay to feel joy like the practice of gratitude of appreciating what we can feel, what we can sense. And this body that is just incredible. It can do so many things and it's so intricate and perfectly made and it wants to be in a state of health. And it's our ally. That was one of the things that we wanted to get, like, you know, we often, we talked about it earlier, but we set up this relationship where we're kind of in opposition to our body or we're, it's not doing what we want it to do. And really it's like our lifelong ally. It has been with us through thick and thin, no matter how much we abuse it, it is still there ready to support us. Support us in what we're doing all the time. time. Like, yeah, you've probably heard in your mind, um, if you think about things a lot, like those pathways kind of get more sturdy. The same thing happens with our bodies. The things that we do, our body like moves in the cellular level to support that. Yeah, the body also sort of follows the direction of your mind where if your constant message is my body's old, my body's failing, you know, I think there's something in the body that's like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be failing and old? Let's see how, you know, how do I go about doing this? And the way that we talk to ourselves or our bodies, I think can just fundamentally make a difference in our health of our bodies. Yes, even if you smile, you will become happier because our brain is listening to our body all the time. It's always listening to it. And if it's like, it listens to that smile and it's like when it feels that smile, it's like, oh, we're happy. Right, and the posture thing, I think you had brought this up too, the the superwoman stance, that power stance. Yes, it energizes you and it makes you feel more confident. Yes, they, they've done scientific studies mm-hmm. about this. Yeah, <laughs> If you stand in one of those power stances, your body can change your mind. And vice versa. Yes. So keep it positive, people, and deep gratitude for this soul case that we're traveling in. And yes. is there any... Anything else that we wanted to say? Yeah. Our, our minds move so fast, and we're here and we're there, and it's just... So helpful to take a moment and slow down and connect with our bodies and all of our senses. Amen. 
Good. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I've had a great time. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with my friend Michelle Wren. And if you have not already subscribed to the Accidental Muralist podcast, you can do that over at Apple Podcasts. And I also encourage you to go to allhandsart.com and sign up for my newsletters. I will deliver life-affirming messages to your inbox three or four times a month. This has been Pam Concier, and I'll catch you next time.